Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to discuss the Job 2-3 episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to help you understand how to interact with a person who holds the man-made traditional views of what we covered in the What the Flock episode. I'm Jonathan Fries here with Joel Swakowski. Hi, Joel. Can you remind us of the episode that we just covered that was amazing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Job 2-3 is, And Jehovah said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and turns away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. My goodness, I feel very different. I feel I feel differently about this first now. Yeah. After having this episode, what are your initial thoughts? Well, one, this book in general is like the pinnacle of interpretation skills. Mm. I mean, I think when we understand who God is and how he works, it helps. This book is a huge part of that. But this book is so often mis misinterpreted. And uh, I think when you have the right doctrine, it just it, flushing it out, it does make sense. So that's really my, my initial thoughts are I understand why people do misunderstand this. Um, and it is arguably the most difficult book in the Bible to interpret the right way. Mm. What were your initial thoughts? I have this whole like newfound, um, like eye opening experience with this whole, because I said so argument. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, Job is like the anti because I said so book. It is the anti because I said so book. Right? Like what is the extent in which God is going to be right and just towards us? And how does he show us in a right and just fashion that hit that he's right like because he doesn't just say oh, guys i'm right trust me guys i'm just trust me because i said so cuz that's that's all we would have right right but he goes he's he's contrastive he's going to prove he's going to walk out with us like even Oh man, even the perspective that Satan has, God is going to contrastively prove he's right. Yeah. Even re regarding what Satan says to him. He God is going to be right and just with Satan. You know, how how much more will he be right and just with us? Oh, I'll answer that. The same. <laughs> Right. There, always there, and completely. Always and completely. There's so just, the most. Right. Always the most <laughs> and only the most. Yeah. Always and completely. But never not even a little bit. Right. right so it's, just. it's always a contrastive process when God says, hey. My way is the best way for you. He will walk through us when we go, well, what about this way? Yeah. Well, you could try it. So he says go hot or cold, right? Yeah. yeah. 
you could do it. Well, what about this way? Well, you could do that. You know, even Jesus says, my works will testify who I am. He's not just saying, I'm the son of God. Well, how do we know that? Because I said so. So we just... Where do we get this because I said so doctrine from, Jonathan? Where do we get it from? Dude, this sounds like... We can the go natural we can... tendency of just us wanting to not be questioned. Honestly, I'm going to say we can go right back to the garden. And because I said so is, is what Adam said, right? Mm. Adam said, you know, that woman that you gave me, she caused me to eat. Don't question me, question her. Right. And it's your fault. This yeah. is, this is, it's, it's you, you gave me this woman. It's like, bang, that's the, that's the, because I said so. So it's a human issue. It really is. We invented this strategy yeah, to we did. justify ourselves. Because God us, doesn't say, I told you so. N- never. Or and we because do this. I said so. Yeah. So that's because I said so is our method of acting or trying to be right and just immediately without going through the contrast contrast right exactly what that step what is the quickest way that i can act because it's not be but act as though i am right and just the quickest way i can do that is to say because i said so well who are you right Oof. To say to say that because it, it is so because you said so, it is so. That's, that's like saying it, it most certainly is. That's dangerous. It is, it's you are because I said so is idolatry, and you are basically claiming that you are right and just. Yeah, put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode for all the parents listening. You may not want to, <laughs> if you've ever said, or if you use the strategy because I said so with your kids. Yep. It is <sighs> really, really scary. Because e- so even God doesn't do that. So those are my initial thoughts. That's great. What and that, a banger. of Yeah, that reminds me of the others. I mean, I started by saying, well, number one, and then I never had another thing. Number two, I remember it now, <laughs> which is really just a supplement of, of yours is God doesn't hold us to a standard. He doesn't hold himself to Mm. like God's right. And just, I don't need to be contrastive because I'm always completely right. I'm always completely just like that somewhat makes logical sense. He shouldn't have to, but because he's right and just, he has to. Yeah. And it gives him the right to tell us to do that as well. So the encouragement or the standard that we need to follow of being humble, removing the beam out of our own eye, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, all of these things that require us to look at ourselves and where we could be wrong. I mean, the whole communion ordinance is about examining yourself, right? Right. Why does God have the right to say that is because even him in his right and just state of being is contrastive as well. The only person I could argue wouldn't need to be is more contrastive than anyone. Wow. 
Just like Jesus, the only person who could have lived right and just in his own strength, took direction from God instead of doing things in his own strength. Yep. Like both these, both God, the father and the son were both doing things that they had the logical argument as to why they didn't have to, but they did it better than anybody so that we have no excuse, but to be contrastive on ourselves and to rely wholly and entirely on the Holy spirit. Unbelievable. Yeah. We learn a lot from the book of Job. We do. Well, I mean, that would be sufficient for the episode, but there's, there's, there's more coming. Yeah. We got to help these people <laughs> learn how to, how to, to interact, interact with, with someone. Yeah. yeah. So someone who's, so before we get into that, can you, can you give us an overview of the damage done with this episode's verse? Yeah. So the doctrine that are damaged is well, God's nature, a flawed view of God's nature. I mean, this, I guess you could look at which one's the cause chicken or egg here. I I would venture to say it's happened in both ways. People have a flawed view of who God's who God is, so they interpret this wrong. And people read this and it leads them to believe in a wrong view of God. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's happened either way, but ultimately the doctrine damages God's nature and truth. Hmm. So then what we see is some of the things more specific than that is contrastive thinking, understanding that principle, that doctrine, understanding the difference between truth and deception, and even just the growth mindset and how really avoiding confrontation, not admitting when you're wrong, justifying yourself is proof of not having a growth mindset. But this really comes back to who is God and how is truth determined? Amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's help some people. Let's let's find out how you, Joel, would handle a person who holds to the man-made belief about this verse. So you're going to give us some options here, right? Yeah, I'll go through five different perspectives about this verse. And my encourage or recommended response to somebody who held this perspective. So, for instance, number one is somewhat in line with what Rich shared. His point was, you know, this part of the Bible's poetry, so don't take it literal anyways. Hmm. Essentially, the you know, a person could say to you, the story of Job isn't real, it's just an allegory or poetry. My response to that person, well, how do you know what parts of the Bible are literal versus a metaphor? Nice. What's your measure? Just ask them. If it's, con- if it's confusing, right? If it's confusing, if I don't get it, it must be a, a metaphor. metaphor. An allegory, yeah. And that's where, so ultimately, I'll just branch off of this for a second and kind of share my thoughts. Because being in Bible school is, mm. is often and for as long as I have. Um, the argument usually about the Bible only goes as deep as is, should we take the Bible literally or metaphorically? And how do we know? And that's a, that's a tough question that a lot of these classes have to answer. The answer is you need to go one step deeper. How do you determine truth? Nice. So the interpretation or how do you know whether a part is literal or metaphorical 
or literal or symbolic non-contradiction. Put the Bible through the four principles and you will see truth. That's it. Nice. But with this person who's just blanket statement, this book is poetry. It's like, okay, well, what's your measure for if it's poetry or not? And like you, likely what you said is, is going to be the answer as well when it's hard to understand. Number two, here's a perspective. Job must have done something to deserve this. God would never hurt you. Well, it pleased God to bruise his son. Mm-hmm. Or I could just ask the person, well, what about pruning? Mm, Cutting yeah. you back for your growth. Would that hurt? Yeah. So what this person's doing is they're they're taking on one of the perspectives of one of Job's comforters. If you keep reading, one of Job's comforters keeps making the point, regardless of what Job says, he keeps making the point, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. Right. But the whole story began with God saying he's perfect and upright. Right. (laughs) That's a really important point of that story. Totally. A third one is somebody who's not really empathetic. Somebody could say this, you know, the point of Job is for us to learn how to learn that we all suffer and we just need to learn how to deal with it. Dealing with it means, you know what, we all suffer. Don't curse God. Just su- just deal with suffering. My question to this person would be, was that how you want to be treated when you suffer? Like, let's not, like, do we read this book and think of Job as a complainer? Mm. Or I could ask the person, well, I'm assuming you never complain when you do suffer then. If you're telling me, well, we all suffer, just deal with it. No empathy, no compassion. That's how you want to be treated? No, thanks. In that third perspective, I mean, have you heard the phrase, the patience of Job? Yeah. Apparently, Job handled it so well at the end that we all say the patience of Job. Yeah, we do. (laughs) So if you're saying, oh, just deal with it, suffer it, then it's like, uh uh-oh. Yeah. You're going to basically have that, you know, that's your standard of dealing with things. Right. Nice. Number four, well, we can't know how God works. He's a mystery. You know, we don't know why God did this. We don't know why Satan did this. We can't know this. It's a mystery. And I could say, either through a question or just sharing on myself, the mystery is revealed to believers. And that's it. Nice. And then finally, we're going back to Apostle Tater's perspective. Satan can't make God do anything. I could just ask this person, Well, what did it mean when God said to Satan, although you enticed me against him? Mm. And if the answer is, well, we just, you know, the interpretation's wrong, I would say, okay, that would be a rationalization, but it's like, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to prevent, there are an infinite amount of rationalizations. I'm not going to prevent them. But I can ask questions to help that person recognize that they are holding this verse to a standard differently than any other verse mm-hmm. or differently than what the truth would require. So those are five perspectives with five different responses. I hope that helps. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and I notice how many questions you have in response to someone who holds a perspective. So if someone has that perspective and I just ask them a question, do I need to continue to fight them because they're not embracing the truth? Or when do you, when do you walk away versus, you know, continue to have a conversation with these people? If they answer the question, keep going. Nice. You know, like if they don't, if they shoot a flare out and try to distract you from the question, that's where you're okay to just say, well, thanks. Thanks for sharing. I hope you're well, and then just leave. But if they answer your question, now it's about continuing to dig in and learn, you know, maybe at that point, it opens you up to be able to go backwards into the episode and walk this person through the story, help them understand it the way you do. But if they don't answer your questions or if they start attacking or getting defensive at that point, it's just like, okay. Um, I mean, you could even ask, is this how you want people to handle you when you ask them questions? Yeah. And and I think it's really cool that because there are these questions and if people want to answer them, it's, it's possible that someone can give you and often a perspective that you have not seen before. So if they do have one of these perspectives and you do answer a question this way and they come back with something that you, oh, I've never really considered that. I've never really thought of that before. That's awesome. That's a win. Yep. That's one of the reasons we respond in this way, because it is us being contrastive. Right. Maybe they have an answer you haven't heard before, and it leaves you open to learning something new, including that you're wrong about this. Yeah, totally. Where if I just go first step, you're wrong to believe this. It doesn't leave me open to considering where I could be wrong. Nice. Where it's win-win. If I ask a good question, if they're wrong or they're right, I'm still handling it in a way where I didn't do anything wrong or where I didn't, you know, cause damage to this person. That's awesome. Well, great. Let's, let's wrap up here. So can you remind us once more what the ultimate answer is, Joel? The ultimate answer is God initiated a have do are versus are do have argument over a righteous man, Job. God believes in our do have. That's the causal chain from cause to effect. Who you are results in what you do, results in what you have. Satan believes in the causal chain being what you have, results in what you do, results in who you are. And since truth is proven contrastively, meaning we only know for sure what isn't true, we have to remove all the wrong and what's left what's what only is left is true because truth has to be proven in that contrastive method and god according to his nature couldn't say i'm right because i said so god had to move against job makes a ton of sense yeah Okay, and a reminder of the verse, Job 2, 3, and Jehovah said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, 
one who fears God and turns away from evil. And he still holds fast to his integrity, although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. So that's the verse when we read it according to what's written in the Bible. What is written in the Bible? According to God's language or the truth behind it of what we've learned today, I want to look up this passage again. So we're going to do a little translating here. We're going to break down with what does the Bible say? We're going to look one step deeper to, you know, the original language and bring in the context of what we've learned. So essentially, this is the doctrine behind this verse. Job 2.3, and Jehovah said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one who fears God as a cause and therefore turns away from evil as an effect. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. After you were given permission to take away Job's possession and ability to do anything, it was contrastively proven to be true that Job was a perfect and upright man because he fears God. Boom. That is cool. How about that? How about that? So there we go. It is not have, do, are. It is are, do, have. And we have been shown objectively, it has been proven through the life of Job that God was right. And we can yeah. trust and follow what he says is right because God will prove it contrastively to us and he will move according to what is right and just. So yeah. can't wait to see him move more, Joel. Yeah, let's. Let's facilitate God's movement as much as possible. Amazing. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know. We'll see you next time.